you can open your Bibles to uh, Luke as I get prepared here, ready to go. Today's lesson is the spirit that rejoices. We, this, this lesson that I'm about to give, it should sound almost a little familiar, and if you want to go back and read or listen to a sermon, or if you have the notes, you can go back and look on December 26th. This is kind of the origin. We're jumping back to the same passage. I'm going to say some of the same things. I think they are worth repeating and need to be repeated. The reason we've been in Psalm 107 recently, um, up until the, the point Jay gave the sermon last week on family, before that we were in Psalm 107 because that's one of the places that Mary, in Luke chapter 1, she quoted from Psalm 107 when she said, He has filled the hungry with good things. And I just love that thought. She had a spirit that rejoices. We need to have a spirit that rejoices. All right, I thought I connected this thing, but let me see. Let me back out for a second. And undo. Back in. I forgot about this little thing that I was going to try and use today. My little handheld device. Usually it connects by itself. Oh well, I'll put it down. I'm going to do things the old fashioned way pushing a button, which I stay right here anyhow. I just like having that thing in my hand, I think. <laughs> so here we go the spirit that rejoices. And when we greet each other, when we come up to somebody, and no matter where we're at, and we do it here at church, we usually say, how are you? And the expected response to be given, the expected response to be heard, is something along the lines of, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I'm doing good. How are you? And every once in a while, you might find somebody who says, I'm, I'm doing all right today. Doing all right today. You know, and, and we get this little half-hearted response from a greeting that really invites us in. It says, how are you? And um, in terms of another topic that we've had before, shalom, the, the, the greeting that the Jews would say is, how is your shalom? How is your wholeness, your well-being? How is your health? How are your finances? It's all in there, this idea of shalom is is your life complete and whole? That's a pretty neat thought to say, how are you? To say shalom, how is your shalom? And, and you can't interpret that just how is your peace. It's like, how is your wholeness of life? How are you? And if we really mean it when we ask it, then we should get a meaningful response. If we're caring enough to ask somebody, we should really want to know. Which we know we don't necessarily always want to know. I get that. So sometimes it's probably smarter just to say, hi, I hope you're doing good today. You know, not invite the whole response. Sometimes we just don't have time, right? Sometimes we uh, aren't that interested. We don't. So, but anyhow, how are you? Did you ask anybody that today? How are you? And what kind of responses did you get? John Edmondson used to say, 
Anybody remember? Almost got 50% correct. What's the rest of it? He said, fine as frog hair. Oh, thank you, Shelly. I'm fine as frog hair, split down the middle. Now, that's really fine. That's some, that's some fine cutting. John was always doing fine. And he meant it, too, because he was happy to see us. He was happy to give us a hug. Wasn't that wonderful? He was happy. How are you? And he, fine as frog hair, split down the middle. Come here and give me a hug. I'm even better now. That's, that was John, a wonderful spirit, a person who was filled with joy, kind soul, loving man, had the spirit of Christ in him. That's a beautiful thing. So today I ask, how are you? How are you? And unfortunately, as we think about the responses that we give, and we think about the responses that we get, so many times, this image is probably true. This thought that, well, I'm going to say I'm fine, I'm doing good, how are you? But it's just kind of a fakeness to it because... We're holding up this uh, smiling face and we're projecting this image that we're doing good and fine. But really on the inside, we're sad or we're lonely or we're hurting. This image that I projected here says happy on the happy outside, sad inside. That's my life. And that's a sad thing, isn't it? Especially for believers, we really... We don't want to put on this, this face when we go to church. That's the beautiful thing about Garrett Street. When, and it's, this is one of the things that I mean when I say authentic, simple, authentic faith. This idea of authentic is that at Garrett Street, we're going to be real with each other. This is, this is who I am. I've got an issue. I'm going to share it with you. I, uh, you know, I've got problems. I'm not going to try and hide it. I, I, I failed in some way. I'm comfortable telling people I'm sorry. We're not trying to hide things. We're this authentic faith that we have. It's real. And we struggle at times and we're happy at times. And it's real. We want to be real with each other. We want to have this authentic faith. Faith. We don't want to put on a smiley face and kind of hide what's really going on. We want to pray for each other. So I pray that when we say, how are you, we really want to know and that we're ready to take the time to listen and the time to pray with somebody and then the time to help. I hope that this image, and if there is anybody here or listening today, that, that you would say, well, this is kind of how I feel. Happy on the outside, putting on a show, but inside I'm struggling and hurting. I hope that's not anybody here, and I hope this lesson gives you some, some hope, and it gives you a reason for carrying a smile on your face, and that it's real and not fake. So how are you? How are you? I believe that Jesus wants us to say, I'm happy today. I'm happy. Don't you think that's true? Jesus wants us to be able to say, I'm happy. There's a, there's a song that goes, I'm happy today. Oh, yes, I'm happy today. In Jesus Christ, I'm happy today. 
Because he's taken all my sins away. And that's why I'm happy today. I believe scripture says that this is true. Um, I ask you to open up to Luke. We're going to be spending most of our time in chapter 1. But look at Luke chapter 6. In verses 20 through 23. Luke 6. 20 to 23. And we learned uh, not too long ago on Wednesday night that this that this word, I assume it's the same here as it was in Matthew, is Mercurios. I think, anybody, can you shake your head? Does that sound right? We learned that? I didn't look it up. But we had a lesson on that, that this, whatever word that is, it means happy. You know, it's, it really could be translated happy. And some of your translations may have that translated happy. But in the scripture it says, in my Bible it says blessed. Verse 20, and turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, and so I'm going to use the word happy. Happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Happy are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Oh, pay attention to that one, based upon Mary's words, right? Happy are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Happy are you who weep now. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, it's true. Happy are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Even in the tough times, there's some happiness because we know the joy that awaits. 22. Happy are you when men hate you and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. Happy, 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 happy. Jesus wants us to say, when somebody says, how are you? He wants us to say, I'm happy today. And Jesus Christ, I'm happy today. What a joy it is to have Christ in our lives. Happiness should be one of these things that sets a Christian apart from the rest of the world who have no hope. Happiness should set a Christian apart from the lost souls in the world. Notice, I'm using some language here that should spur your mind to think about a previous topic we've discussed. The topic of holiness. Christians are to be holy. We, we believe that, right? We are a holy people. And we defined holiness to help understand what holiness means. Holy means to be set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. You can take a, a pen, a pen's an ordinary thing, and this is more of an this would be more fitting in terms of the Old Testament. This is what they did. If a if a pen was to be used in a temple, it had to be holy. It had to be set apart from every other pen so that it would be used in the in the temple, it would serve God's purpose. They didn't have pens back there. Forgive the the failure and all that. But you get the picture, right? 
being set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. And we as Christians are we are to be set apart from all the rest of the people, common people around us. And common not as a derogatory word, it's just normal. Everybody else around us, God loves them. But Christians are called to be different. We're to be set apart from them because we are going to serve God's purpose. And this isn't saying that we're set apart and we're better and we look down on everybody else. Don't misinterpret that. We're just different. A peculiar people. Happiness should be one of the things that sets us apart from everybody else. You know, and I need this sermon because, you know, maybe there's some sermons where I'm up here, up here going like this, blah, 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 you know. You know, sometimes serious, Christians, we can take ourselves too serious and we forget to be happy. Being holy means we're set apart from everybody else, not set apart to be grumpy. We're set apart. This is one of the ways we're supposed to be happy. And I think that in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, Mary shines as an example of holiness, an example of how we can serve God's purpose. And I'm going to point out four ways that kind of all reflect this idea of having some happiness in us. And that happiness sets us apart from everybody else. Not so that we can look down upon them, but so that they can look to us and say, I want what you've got. Why are you always happy? Man, those problems come. And you just let the issues and anxieties roll off your back and you seem happy. Yeah, because I don't have any anxieties in this world because I trust my Savior. I'm happy today. Oh, yes, I'm happy today. In Jesus Christ, I'm happy today. He makes a difference in our lives. All right. So here are the four things. Christians are set apart from common people to to serve God's purpose, right? So here we're going to look at at Mary and think of Mary. You know, here was God chose Mary, a young girl. We would call her a young girl. Could have been 14 to 18 years old. We don't know for sure. This young girl full of life, having her whole life before her and she was she had her mind set on God, and God chose her above everybody else in the world, everybody else in the, the nation of Israel. She chose this, God chose this one young girl named Mary to give birth to her son, to his son, and to raise him in the spirit and the instruction, the admonition of the Lord, so that he could become the Savior of the world. Christians are set apart from common people, just like Mary, to, number one, exalt the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. It lifts Him up and exalts Him. She loves God. She's thrilled to be a part of, 
of God's plan to be a part of his work here in this world. Mary didn't say, my soul exalts the Lord. You can't read that like that. My soul exalts the Lord. No. Mary's soul was actually, these aren't empty words, she was exalting the Lord. She was thrilled to have Christ in her. Son of God was in her, literally. And her soul, her life, her being lifted up God. I put number two in here, and I really think these are really kind of the same things, but to repeat, she repeats herself. I'm going to repeat it. It's a little bit different way and just says a little bit something different. Verse 47, And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. It's very personal, my Savior. He's God's our Savior. But she... If she feels it personally, she knows God is there for her and God blesses her, loves her, is cared for her, is her Savior. And she rejoices in that. Do you rejoice in that? Yeah, I rejoice in God, my Savior. <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? Do you rejoice in God, your Savior? We're ga- we gather every Sunday to... Gather around a table that's a bit morbid, remembering the death of God on a cross. The Son of God died there on a cross because of our sins, our stupidity, our rebellion, our iniquity. It's a bit morbid, but I have to finish that by saying so that we can be saved. He did it to say, that's true, it was a terrible thing what happened. The worst tragedy in all of history. No greater, even the deaths of thousands of people that have been murdered by tyrants. The worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world was done on Calvary. No greater Evil was done there than for the Son of God, perfect, holy, to take our sins. Suffer an eternity's worth of hell for my sins and for all the world. It's a tragedy. But we find joy in it because he did it because he loves us. For God so loved the world. He cares for us. He saved us. Christians are set apart from common people to exalt the Lord. This is what we are to do. To rejoice in God our Savior. Praise His blessed and wonderful name. And so we are also set apart from common people, from what is ordinary, to leap for joy because of the presence of Jesus in our lives. Verses 39 through uh, 44. Now at this, this is the preceding verses leading into 
to, to Mary's words of exaltation and rejoicing. She's, and it, the scripture reads, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. This is after she found out she was going to give birth to the Savior. Verse 40, And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, this old lady, way past childbearing years, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed? Let me back up a little bit. I'll read that with Eric's translation. Happy are you among women, and happy is the fruit of your womb. And how it has happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby Leaped in my womb for joy. Little John the Immerser inside the womb of his mother. The presence of Jesus comes in and little John, whoop, right in the womb. Now, I don't know how far along in a pregnancy it is before you, uh, you start feeling the movement. Probably just a few months in, isn't it? But then can you imagine this feeling of the child just sleeping in your womb? I don't know what that exactly was, but the, the baby was filled with joy. That little baby, and it was a baby. The scripture says this was a baby. It wasn't a thing. It was a baby. Leapt for joy. And now you remember also in Luke chapter 6 when we were reading a little bit ago. Luke 6, I just passed it. Verse number 23. Be glad on that day and leap. For joy. Even amidst of persecution, we should be so filled with joy because Christ is our Savior. We can leap for joy because of the presence of Jesus in our lives. Just like the presence of Jesus came near John physically and John leapt in the womb. Leaping, leaping, leaping. And we talked about this leaping, this joy of leaping, like the man who was healed at the temple uh, gates, and he went leaping through the temple, praising God. What a joy it is to know Christ. What a joy it is to have Christ present in our lives. Don't be like Eeyore. Eeyore was... It must have had a reason to, to, to be happy, but he forgot. He says, I was so upset, I forgot to be happy. A quote from Eeyore. And that's why I was using the voice that I was using a little while ago, kind of a little bit of an Eeyore voice. I was so upset, I forgot to be happy. You know, it's like, if you got a reason to be happy, be happy. Rejoice. Jesus loves you so much, he died for you. Don't forget to be happy. Those of us who are in Christ, don't forget to be happy. And don't fake it. Let it be real. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Jesus wants us to be happy. He died for you. Be happy, even in the midst of terrible things going on in our lives. We can be happy. So listen to these things that set us apart from common people. God does this. God makes us holy to exalt the Lord, 
to rejoice in God our Savior, and to leap for joy because of the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And number four, Christians are set apart from common people to be filled with a youthful vigor for life. Now, if there's anyone that I'm kind of stretching a little bit from Scripture, maybe it's this one. But I just ask you to consider Mary. Young, like all these young people here, they have some energy of life. Um, Mom's here today with me on our way down. We were talking about how old age starts working against that. It tries to drag you down, the aches, the pains. But even when you start getting those aches and pains, the difficulties, we can still have this spirit that Mary had. And I'm convinced Mary still had this spirit all through her life. Even in the midst of the tragedy of her seeing her son hang upon that cross, she still rejoiced in God her Savior. I think Mary... When she was young here, she shows us that she was filled with this youthful vigor. She was filled with life. She loved life because she loved the Lord and she knew her life was from the Lord. She was filled with joy. She was filled with energy and enthusiasm for all that God was and all that God was doing. So Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 53 Consider the enthusiasm, the vigor that Mary had for life. And she was filled with the Spirit of God. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. And behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. That's a pretty youthful, vigorous, enthusiastic spirit. And I think we are called as Christians to be holy in this same regard. To be set apart from everybody else who might, maybe life wears them down and that that when those uh, difficulties come, they start giving up. Or when they get into a job and pursuing a career, they forget about what really matters in life. Have this youthful vigor for life that is found in Christ carrying this smile on your face everywhere you go because Jesus is real and he has done great things for you. So I want to ask you, how are you? Amen. 
Thumbs up. A great. Some smiles under the face mask, I hope. God is good, isn't he? We need to remember that all the time. This, oh, this life dragged it. It's like, it just tries to pull us down. That's what Satan does. He's the adversary. He's working against us. And it drags us down. And we got to remember, man, in Christ, I'm doing fine as frog hair split down the middle. I'm good. Okay, well, what if my phone breaks? I'm fine as frog hair split down the middle, right? I wish I'd looked up a, there's probably a meme somewhere I should have found. Uh, we're, we're good in Christ. If we lose our phone, if, if our phones are taken away, I'm doing good. What, what, if, uh, what is it that's precious? What if you lose your job? How are you doing? Oh, it's tough right now, but in Jesus, I know I'm going to make it. You know, I'm, I'm struggling. struggling. I feel alone. Well, praise God for the church that we're not alone. Jesus is always there with us. What about, what about Christians? What, you know, put yourself in the proper perspective. What if you're a Christian that lives in a country that is being bombed and you're hiding in a bunker, in a subway? Man, how you doing? Oof. I didn't think it could get this bad. But in Christ, I'm going to find a way. Boy, our troubles really aren't Troubles. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. She didn't, she didn't have indoor plumbing. She didn't have electricity. She had to walk to get her water. She had, you know, life was tough back then, but she was filled with joy. She didn't know it was tough. It was just life. But she loved God. She trusted that he'd always be there with her. And I ask you, are you following the example of Mary? Are you living this youthful life? Vigorous life filled with joy and happiness because God is with you. Is your life set apart from non-believers to serve God's purpose? Are you truly exalting the Lord, rejoicing in God your Savior? Are you, uh, forget my next one, it was in my, are you leaping for joy as you go through life? Because Christ is in your life. Youthful, vigorous life. Christians need to be like that. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to become one today. Give your life to him. Trust in him. And always come back to this thought. He loved me so much, he died to save me. If you need Jesus... Come to him today. We're going to gather around this table now and remember Christ. And I do want to encourage anybody, if you're here today, you know that you want to live for Jesus. Do it today. Make that decision. Let me know. Let somebody know. If you want to learn how to become a Christian, talk to us.